What's up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You are listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of tracksounds.com. And on this podcast, we do talk all things film, television, and video game music. I'm Christopher Coleman, and joining me today is... Kristen Romanelli of Filmscore Monthly Online. And I'm Eric Woods of Cinematic Sound Radio. Today is Tuesday, June 5th, 2018. And this is episode 109, The Soundcast 6, Volume 8, where we talk about six of the most compelling topics in the last week from the world of film music. You can find all episodes of The Soundcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts. You can send us your feedback via email to soundcast at tracksounds.com. Leave us a voicemail on our SpeakPipe widget. And you can also respond via Twitter at audio soundcast or at track sounds or on facebook all right well it's a soundcast six i think everybody knows what that means but if you're new around here and you don't know what it means well we talk about six uh we're gonna go back a little bit further than the last week like maybe the last month or more um of some topics film music or video or tv soundtrack topics six topics here are the six we're going to talk about the recent poll that I took on Twitter, um, asking people what their what they thought the best score of 2018 was so far. Um, I'm going to talk about the announcement of Joseph Trapanese uh, scoring the upcoming Robin Hood film. We're going to talk about the Mortal Engines trailer that was released today, and the only name that's been attached to it so far is one Atlee Overson, although the trailer did not have a credit, um, it didn't credit any composer yet in the trailer. Uh, we're going to talk about the Billboard article that came out a few days ago that talked about composer Gordy Hobb uh, at least being on George Lucas's shortlist for composers for Star Wars films, if that has any weight <laughs> or relevancy at all. Um, we're going to talk about this Willow sequel, supposedly, that may be in the works. And if there is one, who should score it? And our last topic will be, oh, I was going to say our, our Star Wars topic, but it's actually our second Star Wars topic. Um, and that is the Boba Fett movie, which was announced, I think, right around the time that Solo uh, hit theaters. And uh, who we think might be a good pick to score that particular film. Eric and Kristen, are you guys ready to dive into some topics? Yes. Let's do this. Kristen, do you have the fabled timer? I do. Okay. So the way it works is we've got 10 minutes to talk about each one of these topics. If we go over, we can, but it means we're going to have to lose time off of another topic. Um, or if we go under, then we get to save that time and add it to one of the following topics. So... Let's start off with always fun things to talk about, which is uh, a poll. And I asked prior to Solo coming out what people thought, people on Twitter thought was the best score of the year 2018 so far. Um, and the answers were quite varied. Um, but since Solo's come out, I think a lot of people's answers would change. So I'm going to ask you guys this question, um, but we're going to ask it in two phases one what was your favorite score before solo came out and then what and what was it after solo came out so 
Kristen, what was your favorite score of 2018 before Han Solo, Han Solo came out? <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say it's probably Black Panther. Uh, okay. Ludwig Gordonson. Um, and after Solo, probably Solo itself. Okay. Um, but we still have a lot of great things coming up. I mean, Incredibles 2 is pretty soon. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, we're ha like halfway through the year. So that's what kind of brought it to mind. It's like, hmm, it's been a pretty good year so far. I was curious what people thought, you know, what, what they would claim as their, as their fave so far. Uh, and I should have said fave, not best, because best always has <laughs> things attached to it. Um, so what about you, Eric? What was your pre and post solo favorite scores of the year? Yeah, my favorite score of the year was Max and Me by uh, Mark McKenzie. And I felt that something truly amazing was going to have to come out to dethrone that score from the number one spot. Mm -hmm. Sort of the same way um, uh, a few years ago when Mark McKenzie wrote uh, The Greatest Miracle. Mm -hmm. I knew right away that that was going to be like my number one score. And uh, nothing else written that year uh, managed to dethrone that score. But... After watching and hearing Solo, uh, Solo has easily, quickly shot up to my number one spot. And it's, it's I would say it's going to be up there uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, I mean, we talked about it last week, and uh, I still have not stopped playing it. Hmm. Uh, I, wake up, I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, all right, let's, let's do the Kessel Run. <laughs> and, and I just cannot get enough of... I can't get enough of that score. And I haven't gone back and listened to anything else. Hmm. It's really bizarre. Like, I want to. Um, you know, I tried to get through the Alien 3 mm -hmm. album from La La Land Records. I think I even mentioned that last week as well. And I'm still trying to get through that. <laughs> and I still don't finish it. I'm like, I just want to listen to Solo. Right. So it doesn't matter where I am in the house. It's, it's always playing loud and proud. And that one is going to be... It's the front runner right now is my favorite score of the year. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I I would say prior to Solo, I think uh, Christopher Leonard's score for Lost in Space was uh, my favorite one of the year. I was listening to that quite incessantly for quite some time. Um, and yeah, it did take something pretty significant to to bump that off. Um, and, you know, if, if I looked at the calendar and said, well, which, which score coming do you think could you know, knock it off. I would probably put solo in that spot and say, yeah, that has a good chance of, of knocking it off the top of my list. And it certainly has at this point in time. Um, and, um, uh, I still think I do listen to, I've been listening to both now. I listen to solo quite a bit, but I still listen to lost in space quite a bit in the last week. Uh, so I would put it ahead of lost in space. Um, it's kind of interesting that, that, <laughs> that, because people were saying when I put the, put the, tweet out there you know let's wait one more day and ask you know ask tomorrow when solo comes out um or some people said i haven't heard it yet but i'm gonna say solo <laughs> i'm like <laughs> okay um yeah. that's that's faith uh but the the <laughs> some of the top answers were and this is not i didn't count them but i just kind of looked at which ones i think i saw the most um god of war was up there by bear, Mc bear mccreary uh, a lot of people mentioned uh, God of War, and also the Cloverfield Paradox by Vera McCreary. Both those yeah. two got mentioned quite a few times. What's interesting 
is I I don't know. I saw the film and I might have listened to the score once, but right now I can tell you nothing about that score. I mean, absolutely nothing comes to mind when 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 that when I read that name. So I need to go back and see because I don't know. It didn't grab me when I saw the film, and it didn't grab me when I listened to it. So has that was that on your radar at all? Yeah, yeah, it's in my top ten. Okay, for sure. Um, and even God of War, like McCreary's having a great year. Yeah, and uh, as much as the Cloverfield Paradox was a strange movie, yeah, the score was was outstanding and then if you go and and read up on um mccreary and behind the scenes uh on the creation of that score like he does with all of his scores on his blog Mm -hmm. um there's just so much more that's um revealed to you and he wrote i think two sequences um and i'm not oh god i I don't want to misquote him but like you know the set piece um uh scoring sequence sort mm-hmm. of like you know the asteroid field in 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 empire strikes back i think we talked about this a few months ago we were talking about you know like true set piece mm-hmm. pieces of film music that could you know easily be played in the movie and also away and away from the film and they're just kind of like their own standalone pieces of music and i think he wrote two of them for two key sequences in that movie hmm. and he was it was a conscious decision of him to kind of go back to that old style of scoring and and write those type of pieces so hmm. um yeah cloverfield Pro- uh, paradox I-, I would recommend just listening to the end credit piece again and, and yeah. if, if you can't get into it after that point then there's no reason to go back to it but that yeah. end credits piece is is really an amazing i think it's about seven minutes long it's a great wow. highlight and a great encapsulation of, of what he did for the score okay but yeah that like you know back black panthers on my list uh red sparrows on my list uh, of course ready player one yeah um and so there's just, it's been a really good year for film music. And I just wish I, I mean, eventually I will get sick of solo, um, sure. but I mean, I'm going to have to go back and, and listen to all the greatness that has come out in the year. And, and we, we also have a lot to look forward to as yeah. well. But I mean, so far, right at the middle of the year, um, this year's turning out to be a, a really good one and a diverse year for sure. And kind of like almost like a, a comeback of sorts to some composers mainly like Alan Silvestri to kind of go back into that older style for, for ready player one. And then to hear kind of Powell just knocking it out the way he, he would for a how to train your dragon film. It's just a real special year, I think. And, uh, and yeah, it's a good time to be a film music fan. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go back and check out that end credits and Cloverfield paradox and see what I feel. Um, was that on your radar at all? Uh, Kristen? What the Cloverfield paradox? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm crazy about Bear, so, um, yeah, it certainly was. Okay, all right. Yeah, and I, I saw the movie, too. Not very good. Don't really recommend it. No, I mean, <laughs> it's not very good. Solid idea until everything went crazy. Yeah, I don't know what... It I don't is know a what, really good idea. I don't know what they were... I don't know what was going on in that movie. It was just... I mean, it's... it's the, like the first half of it, I'm like, okay, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. The premise Second was great. Second half of it, I'm like, I am not with you anymore. Yeah, the premise was great. It's like, At okay, yeah. I'm, I'm with, I'm, I'm on the ride, and then it just got bonkers, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I think mm-hmm. I fell asleep by the end. I was just like, <laughs> I, I, and I woke up like right at the part where the uh, spoilers for. Cloverfield Paradox, um, where the Cloverfield monster comes out out of the clouds. Uh, and I was like, <laughs> it's like right at the end. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Oh, uh, I guess somehow that that makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, if they didn't try to tie in the Cloverfield 
you know, universe, yeah. I think it would have been a fine movie on its own. And I, you know what, for, for it being stupid, I enjoyed it for, for what it was, it was just a silly B movie with some really good ideas and some real, like, you know, when the woman is transported back into the ship through time or whatever, and she's stuck in all the, in the, the wires yeah. and, and in the wall, it was like, wow, that's pretty that, cool. Yeah. You know, the arm kind of coming out and running around and, 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 and chasing people and, you know, things happening in alternate universes at the same time. I thought, wow, what a great idea. But you're right. Yeah. The execution was a little strange, but for, for what it was, I, I was entertained even though it was just dumb. Um, yeah. but I kind of like weird science fiction. Oh, I do too. Like that. But that one kind of left me just kind of scratching my head. Like I, yeah, I, they, they uh, just tried too hard to. Kind I think of, so. You know, put it as make it as part of the Cloverfield um, universe. Yeah. So yeah, well, a couple of the other ones that were mentioned by the people who responded to the tweet, um, Black Panther, of course, was mentioned quite a few times, and Ready Player One was mentioned a few times too as their favorite or slash best score of 2018 so far. Uh, so I agree with you, Eric. I think that um, this year has been pretty good. I mean, if you take in all of these scores and spread them across 12 months, I would say that's yeah. a pretty decent year. Uh, but yet this is only in six months or less that we've gotten so many across television, film, video games. Uh, it, mm -hmm. It's been very well spread out. Okay. Well, that worked out really well. Um, we heard the bell, so we're going to move on to our next topic. Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other has to say. Reminiscing this and that and having such a good time. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day. Uh, it was announced on or about April 24th uh, that Joseph Trapanese was going to be scoring this upcoming Robin Hood film. And so I'm going to get your guys' reaction to this yet again uh, retold story of Robin Hood. Uh, Kristen, what's your reaction to this? What is, what is your feeling about Joseph Trapanese scoring this film? My feeling is not about Joe. It's about the film. Yeah. And that feeling is, why? <laughs> why are we doing this again? <laughs> Robin Hood needs a rest. Um, <laughs> well, when was the last one? The last one was with Crow, right? Yeah. Was that about five, six years ago? Maybe more? Probably longer than that. And it wasn't terrible. No, I but didn't hate it, it like a lot of people. It did. wasn't needed. No, no, really. No, it wasn't. Was that called Robin Hood? I don't even remember the name of that. Yeah, movie. it was. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was Ridley. Scott, yeah, it was Ridley Scott. Yeah, two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. So it's like, eight years ago. It's it's the same story that's being retold over and over again, and uh. Well, they're public domain stories, right? So you get a King yeah, Arthur every couple of years. You get a Robin Hood every couple of years because they don't have to pay anybody to do it. Yeah. But Trapanese, kind of, though, that to me, that's Trapanese a silver lining. That's is, a silver lining. Is definitely a silver lining. He's a very creative composer. Um, I tend to like his work an awful lot. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, just like just like Pemberton was a silver lining to King Arthur. Yeah, and they, those films feel <laughs> very similar. 
I mean, I feel like they could be in the same universe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm very disappointed in the creativity of people who greenlight stuff. Wow. They're still surprising you with how low they go and how often. I, mean, I didn't say I was surprised by it. I said I was disappointed. Yeah, but I mean, if you're disappointed, that means you expected them not to do, to do something like this. I don't know. No, not necessarily so. It's it's more of a. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> well, they can't. I don't know if they can disappoint me anymore. It, well, they can. They can't surprise me. Uh, they'll do anything. What do you think, Eric? Well, I'll just go on and quote the great Ian Malcolm and say that this film is the worst idea in the long, sad history of bad ideas. <laughs> um, it's, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of The Musketeer. Um, oh, they, man. Right, Which one? kind of... Th- well, where they threw in the like the big um, highlighted uh, text during that trailer was like from Kung Fu Master such and such and such and such who yeah did where the they did all the wire the work Matrix, oh right the and, one that and has it, this what's is what her this face seems like the one that had the, yeah, the lady I, right uh, this this was with uh, what's her face she was um, the uh, mo- uh, What's her name? God, what's what's her face from American Beauty was in it? Oh and, no, that's uh, not who I'm thinking. No, this one is. It was really. Um, it came out when I was in college. Yeah, uh, David Arnold scored it. Yeah, that. Uh, well, no, right? that's not. And that it one? was like no, nobody was in it with the exception of what's her face from uh, American Beauty, and I can't remember her name now. Hmm. Um, the young cheerleader. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So it just, it kind of reminds me of like taking two different genres and just splatting them together and hoping to create something new and and different. And this just doesn't, it it feels like that where it didn't work in the Musketeer and I don't think it's going to work here. Mm -hmm. Um, And with, uh, I'm always happy that Joseph Trapanese gets, gets work. I just kind of hope he branches off and does something uh, different. Um, I mean, he has very, has very distinct style, but mm-hmm. I just don't think that he's kind of moved on and, 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 um, kind of fleshed out that style and, and it's just, it's just very, I don't know. I think he's just kind of trapped hmm. with the stuff that he's done. So I hope that he's able to explore different avenues, uh, with this score, but I'm interested to hear him take on kind of a true action adventure. Yeah swashbuckling adventure and see if he if he does something different with that so um i I think that's the only thing that i can look forward to sure uh, with this film but it just looks like an utter uh mess to me yeah it looks it looks pretty it looks pretty crazy i mean it looks it feels very much like that last king arthur film uh which when i watched it i wasn't like totally offended by it like i kind of thought i was going to be um and I look at this one very, very, very similarly. Um, but I'll see it like when it's for free or something, <laughs> just to, <laughs> just to experience it. Um, Cause sometimes you get surprised by that stuff. Um, and yeah, you could, I mean, just based on a trailer, it just doesn't seem to it be, doesn't look good. 
it just seems well first of all i thought well hey is jamie fox robin robin hood which i thought oh i can see what they're doing here but then of course it yeah and i can't you know what did they tell you the whole well what we already know the whole story but it just seems like they just kind of told you the little twist um halfway through that trailer that maybe jamie fox isn't robin hood and um no, i thought that would he's been definitely not he's it's um yeah. it's the guy from yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the guy yeah, from. But I thought that you know, seeing that. the the opening of that trailer, I thought, oh, this is kind of a fresh take on it. And um, but then it turned out not to be. So yeah. again, I didn't know anything about it when I saw when I saw the trailer. So I was like, hmm. okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah. So Jamie Fox is gonna be Robin Hood. All right, <laughs> let's do this. And then no, yeah, turns out he's not. Yeah, yeah. And isn't um, Ben uh. Mendelssohn in this one? Isn't he playing another Probably, bad guy? Yes, or? he is. Again. That's a sign. Oh my gosh. I mean come. What else can he do? He can do he can do lots more, I think, but man, he is so typecast now. I feel I feel bad for him. But not yeah. that bad because I'm sure he's getting paid handsomely for, sure. for playing the same role yeah. over and over and over again. Right. <laughs> um yeah, well, I look forward to to his score. I think it could be could be something fresh. I liked what he did for uh, the Diver. I think he did the first two Divergent films. Uh, I don't know. Oh, maybe he did all three. I think he did all three. Um, and I liked his work there. There's some there's some good stuff in there. And of course, I thought Junkie XL did the first Divergent. Oh, film. you may be right. You may be right. He did at least one then, because uh, somehow somehow I want to say that someone else did the third one. But I might be thinking of that other YA title, um, The Death Cure. I think, didn't he do one of the, oh. no, Death Cure was the third film. I can't remember the overarching title right now. Uh, Maze, Maze Runner. Runner. Maze Runner. Uh, I think Joe Paisano did the third one. Uh, and I thought maybe he had done the second one. Anyway, it's one of those in that whole YA world. Um, but He's got some. He's got some chops. I hope he gets an opportunity to, to flex them. Um, all right. Well, how much time do we have? Uh, we have one minute and fifty seconds. Okay, we'll take that two minutes and apply it elsewhere. Um, we'll move on to our third story, which is kind of if you want to look at it from a YA perspective, maybe somewhat related, um, maybe not. Uh, the Mortal Engines uh, trailer released today. And uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, you'll find a link in the show notes to watch it. It's an interesting trailer. So we're going to talk about that trailer a little bit, our expectations for the film. Of course, it's produced by Peter Jackson, written, co-written by himself, uh, Fran Walsh, and Philippa Boyens. But it's directed by, oh, his name just left my mind. But he, he was like a second unit director on... Yeah, Christian Rivers. Christian Rivers, yeah. Second unit director on some on The Hobbit and whatnot. Um, he was originally a storyboard artist with Peter Jackson. He's starting to look like Peter Jackson. If you've seen a picture of him recently, it's like, oh, no, he no. looks like Peter Jackson. It's really weird. Um, but yeah, the trailer released today. I want to get your guys' reaction on that. And the only name that's been attached to it, though it's not confirmed in terms of composer, is Atlee Overson. And so I think we've talked about that before on some level. Um, we can re- Trudge it up and talk about it again, or if not, if he's not the composer, who would you like to see there? But first of all, um, Eric, what did you think of the trailer? I was 
really interested after seeing the teaser, which looked um, very creative mm-hmm. and, you know, seeing a lot of things that I hadn't seen before, really. And then uh, I just saw this one, boy, about 15, 20 minutes ago. And um, it looks like some of the effects aren't finished. Mm-hmm. And I, I really hope that's the case because uh, there are some st- there's some stuff that just kind of looks really off. Hmm. Um, story wise, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't seem engaging. Uh, there's just something strange about it. It just seems like typical good versus bad, but I do like the, the kind of look and feel of it. I love that. The fact that these traveling cities, these giant traveling cities and are, you know, it just looks really cool. Mm-hmm. It, it does. But the the overall look of it, it kind of has a strange wrinkle in time phoniness oh, to it. Oh, wow. And I'm, not, and I'm not really sure whether it's just the, whether they're overdoing it with the color grading. Everything looks overly saturated and, and bright. Wow. And like I think that, that might have something to do with yeah because you know it's funny i just watched the honest trailer of a wrinkle in yeah. time and i've never seen the movie before but it's funny watching that and coming into this and i mean look i'm all for saturation and and brightness and, and getting away from that dull blue green crappy yeah um you know desaturated look that we have in films these days yeah. but i'm not sure whether the color grading on this trailer does the film any hmm. favors especially when it comes down to the special effects shots, which, again, I don't think look like they're finished. Um, I am, I'd be, there's also something that bothers me about, uh, again, I don't, I don't know what the story is about necessarily or who the characters are, but I would have been far more interested if the girl in the red mask mm-hmm. um, was just the the lead, and it feels like the, her love interest which is what i assume it's going to be just kind of pops in and now these two are going to have an adventure together that's what kind of threw me off i thought that let's follow this girl in the red mask she seems very interesting Mm -hmm. and she seems to have a very interesting story but now just there's something there's something about like this guy rescuing her feels really strange in this trailer and everything just kind of seems so very formulaic Hmm. um like hugo weaving just looks ultimately evil and bad and i don't know what that is it just seems kind of one-dimensional so anyway it seems like i'm really coming down on this but i was expecting a bit more Mm -hmm. out of the trailer again hopefully it's good yeah kind of like i like the look of of, again the the moving cities and things of that sort but there's just something off about the effects and some of the the kind of yeah the way that the trailer set up the story, yeah, that kind of turned. I me think off, there's more. I think there's more in there than the trailer showing. Um, I, I'm semi familiar with the overall idea, um, and I think it could be. I think it could be a, a really good movie. Um, something, something fresh, something interesting. Sure, yeah, I think it really, sure. really could be. Uh, although I don't know how well this trailer is representing. Did you get to see the trailer? Um, Kristen? Yes, what, I did. What was your thoughts? So, I have no idea what this movie <laughs> is. Um, um, I think we talked about this before, and I think it's based off a series of books, yes. am I right? Yep. Okay. Never read them. Have no idea what they are. Um, <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, I'm just watching this trailer blind. And I'm like, this kind of looks like a video game. Hmm. And then I see Hugo Weaving. And I'm like, hey, Hugo Weaving. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like him, but the rest <laughs> of it did kind of look like a, a video game trailer. So I wasn't really sure what was happening. Yeah. Um, that might be a good way to go into it. Just like, I have no idea what this world is all about. And tell perhaps. me a story. You know, I mean, we get so that's a very rare experience these days. Sure. You know, yeah, so I, agree with that. I might I might go in completely blind if you can. That might be the way to go. Um, I, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, faith in in Jackson, especially when he well, he's not really doing it, obviously, but he's co-written and he's producing. Um, but I have a lot of faith in him and have a lot of hope that this movie will be something really special. Something that's just like, oh, yeah, not just, yeah, it was okay, but something that was like, wow, you know, the conceptually and the issues that it deals with and all of that, you know, given not having super time constraints on himself, I'm hoping this whole team really, really does something special with it. And that goes down to the score as well, whether it's Atlee Overson or someone else. Um, I hope now in the trailer at the end, I always look at the end credits to see of the trailer to see who's scoring and there's still no name attached there. So who knows if, if Atlee Overson is true or not, or if that's just some weird cross information with mortal instruments (laughs) that he did some years ago, um, which is a great score. Uh, I'm not sure if Mm -hmm. there was some mix up there, but you know, the thing that gets me with that trailer is the worst thing about it is the, these mobile cities seeing them kind of trudge across this barren wasteland kind of thing reminds me of uh, John Carter. <laughs> That's what I first thought of when I saw that. Oh, John Carter. And then you've got these vehicles flying around that are not exactly like John Carter, but I don't know. The aesthetic these days is to make your ships look like bugs. And they kind of do that too. And so that's John Carter like. And I'm like, that's not what you want to remind people of. Um, even though I enjoy John Carter quite a bit. For the most right. for the most part, you don't want to remind people of John Carter in any way, shape, or form. Um so do you guys have any expectations for for the I mean, you've seen the trailer, the music that was in the trailer, I've already forgotten it completely. Um yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> it's just trailer music, I I'm assuming. Yeah. Um yeah. What are your hopes well, and if, dreams for this? If wet is <laughs> if wet is on it for effects, oh, then it'll be good. I'm sh- I'm sure it's going to turn out to be fine. Yeah. Um. Uh. Visually. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, definitely. Will as be far as Atley, I mean, I like his work. I actually really liked um, Hansel and Gretel. Oh. Um, interesting. Yeah. That was an interesting one. It was definitely interesting. I don't know why I liked it as much as I did, hmm. but I am a flawed human being. <laughs> <laughs> you like what you like, and that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any expectations from you, Eric? Uh, n- no, but um, I think this is a a great canvas for a composer to really open up and and explore what he or she can do. Yeah. And what I would hope for is since we have a new director that this guy either picks one of his favorite composers that he's always wanted to work with and do the same that, um, 
Oh man, now I can't forget his. I can't remember his name. Uh, the director of Melissa, Maleficent, who always wanted to work with James Newton Howard. Oh, the um, um, the, the is, set is designer Stumber? guy who turned into. I don't yeah. know if he was a set designer. He was but the Oscar winning. I think he's related to cinematographer. Uh, William Stromberg or uh, yeah, uh, I know who you're uh, talking about from Tribute Film Classics. Yeah, anyway, so name. he's yeah, so he always wanted to work with James Newton Howard and wanted a classic, you know, old school symphonic score. So. Um, it either can go that way, mm-hmm. or I hope he picks somebody like new, like one of his buddies from college or university that really needs a big break, and that they can form this relationship. And this is something that they can they can work off of, and they've worked before, and they are a really good team. And then we, you know, we can be introduced to somebody new and fresh. Yeah, and that's kind of where I would like it to go. What I don't want to have happen is it to go just down that kind of generic route. And and there's really something special that could happen here musically, mm-hmm. and I really hope it's one of those two things. When you where s- you know this this compo- this director wants to work with a hero, or he's going to work with somebody he's worked with before and wants to give his buddy a uh, a chance at scoring something this big. But when you when again, you say the, uh, safe route, what do you mean? Just like, like a typical uh, contemporary yeah, typical- score boring contemporary like it doesn't have anything to say it's like trailer music it just sounds like everything else yeah okay um you know they just give us it's a fantasy adventure movie you know and and, and just give us something to well sink our teeth into i have hope and these I mean, days and, and, for that you know oh, it yeah. seems like people are taking that chance even though it seems like a weird and, thing to say and i hope that you know peter jackson as a producer will kind of encourage that type of music oh, I'm sure. in this movie. I'm sure he will. I hope he does. Um, yeah. He did do Lovely Bones. Who did the score for Lovely Bones? It wasn't Howard oh, Shore. No. Uh, was it Alexander it Mm. I don't think so. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, the movie was not great, obviously. Uh, well, not obviously, but I didn't, oh, you did? I didn't really like no. it. Uh, uh, no, maybe it was this. No, who was it? I'm just trying to look it up quickly here. Uh, Lovely Bones. I was way back in 2009. Um, it was such a strange choice. Oh, yeah. David Byrne and Brian Eno. Yeah. 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 Really odd. Yeah. That's probably why it didn't, it didn't connect so much to me. But this, you know, well, here's one thing. Um, Christian Rivers, he won an Oscar for his, for something for King Kong. Aw. Um, oh, probably. We've got some. We got some bonus time. Um, that was including bonus time. Oh, it was. Ooh. Oh, you already added it. Okay. Well, King Kong. So you've got a James Newton Howard connection, and of course, you know, where's Howard Shore been recently? Let's get him. Well, and, let's get him working. And here's again. the other thing: it is is what's Christopher Gordon doing? True. Uh, you know, what are all those people down down under? That's very you know, true. Give them a shot. Very true. You know, give Nigel Westlake this movie. Yeah. Very um, true. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good call. Good call. Chewbacca, 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 and Yoda, no Yoda, and Yo-Yo, and the Vader, and the Vader, Vader, fight the Vader, down the street, and the good guy see a truck that says dumpster, and a hop in the truck, and the truck. All right, let's move on to our fourth topic of the night. Uh, a few days ago, uh, Billboard.com posted a little bit of an article 
that um, talked about what else, Star Wars, and how uh, it was overheard at this specific gathering. What was the gathering here? As I get my facts straight, it was at um, mm, oh the ASCAP Screen Awards, Screen Music Awards on May twenty third. Um, it was overheard. Uh, John Powell was there, and also composer Gordy Hobb was there. And supposedly, John Powell said, I got very nervous when I heard your stuff, speaking of um, John Powell hearing, hearing Gordy Hobb's stuff. So apparently, Gordy Hobb was on George Lucas's short list of composers that, um, that George Lucas liked, and whatever that whatever weight that has these days. I don't know if it has any weight at all, but it's an interesting article. I'm glad they did a little bit of a spotlight on Gordy Hobb, um, who's not done a lot or any films, uh, at least not outside of short films, um, but has done a good bit of video game, video game music, especially within the Star Wars world. Um, and so I thought we'd talk about that a little bit. In fact, I posted a, uh, a Twitter poll yesterday asking a very simple question, which was in, immediately made much more complicated. I just asked, <laughs> if, if who would you want to see take over composing for Star Wars films, Gordy Hobb or John Powell? And um, a lot of people said, oh, Michael Giacchino or um, John Williams should still do it. Or, you know, I'm like, the question was very simple. There's no caveats or conditions. <laughs> Here are your two choices. If you had to pick from those two, who would you pick? Um, but probably not surprisingly, John Powell is is has a huge lead, like an 80-20 split on that on that boat so far, um, which isn't surprising. And some were like, it's not fair. He just had a movie that came out and everyone loves. Well, yeah, I mean, I was completely aware of all of those factors when I posted the tweet. Um, and I just wanted to see where 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 it would shake out and it's kind of shaking out as as i thought my my expectation um was that john powell would run away with it but i thought if gordy hobb can get 30 percent um not having any major films under his belt not having anything outside of you know in recent well two things recent memory halo 2 um a halo two, halo wars 2 and of course um Star Wars Battlefront 2 under his belt. I mean, there's no one really like buzzing about either of those at the moment. If he could get 30%, I would say that's a that's pretty good uh, compared to someone who just has released a huge film and a huge score that everyone's talking about. So let's bounce that around a little bit. Um, Kristen, what do you think about this? Uh, do you, th if you had to pick between those two, just those two. I know there are lots of other people in the world who could do it. I know John Williams is still around, but we know he's pretty much hanging it up after episode nine. Uh, who would you like to see take the reins? And why? Um, if they do the Skywalker series beyond nine, mm -hmm. um, that's a big if. Yes. Um, they may not even make it to nine <laughs> at this point. They're like, we're done, guys. We're, we're just finished. It's over. Oh, God. Fans <laughs> are the worst. Um, I like Gordy Hab a lot. Um, I did like what he did with the Battlefront scores, but 
gosh, John Powell just, you know, spoke to my soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that there's no easy way to explain it, but sure. Uh, John Powell, his music just gets me. Hmm. So okay, I'm I'm going to throw this to Powell. Okay, all right. Uh, Eric, what about you? Uh, Powell was my choice, and I'm going to try to make this as short as possible. <laughs> and uh, because you know we're you know, forewarned, I like to talk, <laughs> and I'm yeah, and I'm just I have something to say this. too. So just keep that in yeah, mind as but, you go. Okay, so <laughs> I mean, my my reasoning, and I'll try to keep it simple, is that um, I mean, I can see why people want Gordy Hab. Totally, the guy can do Williams pastiche like nobody's business. Um, and that's probably the biggest issue that I have with Hab's music overall for what he has done within Star Wars is that it, it, it really sticks closely to the temp or stuff that we have already heard. And although it was, again, based on the annotator, so thank you very much for that, Chris, mm. um, you know, I did hear some fresh thematic material from him, mm-hmm. and that's great. But I just kind of wish that he would explore uh, the different sides of John Williams instead of Star Wars prequel John Williams, which is overly busy, crazy, a million notes action music. And I think that's where he's a bit stuck. Hmm. But if that's what they want on Battle, uh, on, on is it Battlefront or Battlefield? Battlefront. Um, then okay, great. That's that's what they want, and 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 I guess you want that Star Wars feel, which is fine. Um, I think one other thing that's going to hinder Hobb from getting the films is that he, he's not, a, he's not quote unquote, a film composer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, that's just, that's just me thinking as a producer sure. and how just, you know, idiotic some of their decisions are. It's like, I, you know, Giacchino wasn't a film composer when he did right. Incredibles. Right. Look at him now. So I would love to give him a chance. And I think there are so many Star Wars properties for Hobb to get into. Yeah. And I think that maybe him tackling maybe one of the TV shows mm-hmm. might be a good opportunity for him. Yeah. Feature film wise, based on what Powell did for Solo, um, like Kristen said, uh, his music just spoke to me. He got John Williams and the John Williams sound when he needed to, but he also brought in a, a fresh sound to the Star Wars universe, which is, I think, something that you need. You don't have to turn it upside down. Right. Like everything happened in The Last Jedi. Yeah. But I think that. Um, a fresh a fresh approach like John Powell's and bringing different sounds and, and the way he creates his themes and whatnot, um, but also embracing the past and sort of everything that John Williams has injected into Star Wars. I think John Powell has done it the best and even better than Michael Giacchino, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so going forward, um, out of the two, mm-hmm. Powell is my choice and my favorite. Okay. That's very well reasoned. Um and yeah, I think I, th- I think you you hit the big points there. What's interesting for me is as I was as I really thought about this, um, and contrary to popular belief, I really do think about things. Um, <laughs> and I have to say, this is and this is no slight because Solo is my favorite score of the year so far, and may end up being that by the end of the year. I would choose Gordy Hobb, and as a, and when I kind of heard myself say that in my own brain, I was like, "Well, why would I choose it?" Well, one, I sp- I've spent a heck of a lot of time 
um, with Battlefront 1. I mean, I spent uh, a sinful amount of time playing that game. Uh, and so his music, along with John Williams, I know his themes for that score just as well as I know John Williams. I mean, I can call, recall them to my brain. I mean, and they're they're done so more often as you're doing the same parts of the game over and over again. Now, they're not long, you know, languishing kind of themes developed over five minutes because the, you just don't, he doesn't get that opportunity. Um, but the melodies, the little motifs that he uses are, are very ingrained in me. And I actually really like the fact that he stays so close to the, 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 the framework that John Williams has set up. He doesn't venture too far outside. And I actually, I've come to understand that I really like that music. And when I think of Star Wars, that's what I think about. I think about a very specific type of music. I think of a very specific type of John Williams music. I will disagree on one point that you made, Eric, and that is that his music all seems to be on the prequel side. He does do the prequel mm -hmm. style very well, but he also does the original trilogy style very well. He's got some stuff for Hoth and some other locations that were old, old uh, original trilogy that he kind of takes his own he takes his own path using the framework that Williams has set up and just it's so sometimes I forget, you know, I'll be listening to him like, oh no, what is it? That's not Williams. That's Hob that's Hobbes theme. And I'll forget that it's that's how to me how well he operates within that framework. And you know, sometimes, and I don't think you meant it that way, but sometimes I hear folks talk about, you know, doing a pastiche of this composer or this style as almost a negative. Um, right. You know, like, oh, they're True. just doing that. But yes. that's not and easy I, I, to do. <laughs> right. In some Agree. cases. And, I'm not, and, I, and, I, and I know you're and not I don't want to use it in a negative way because I really hate using it in a negative yeah. way. I just think that going forward, um, I mean, the last thing that people I think wanted in Solo as well was somebody just impersonating Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Right. And and so for and I'm glad that that didn't happen. There were certain mannerisms you know, within the performance, but it, 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 it wasn't Harrison Ford. And so going forward, I, what I don't want somebody doing is just mimicking John Williams just for the sake of mimicking John Williams. Right. And I would hope that a composer has something new to say with, let's say an action set piece where it's like, Oh man, well that sounds just like that scene from such and such a film. It's like where, you know, into the Mew, I don't know where I have heard that before in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've ever heard that in Star Wars before. And that's what I love about Powell. It was just like what he incorporated into the Kessel sequence was besides the reminiscence therapy was, was super fresh. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I want, but again, it still was within John Williams's blueprint yeah. to a point. Yeah. And so, and again, I'm not slighting, Gordy Hobbs' no, talent. The guy can write like nobody's business. I mean, he is how unreal, many, and his stuff is entertaining. How many Super people can really write in John Williams' style like yeah, that? Yeah, there, there, there many. aren't many. Like, you know, the Kevin Castas, the Mike Veritas of the world, I think are are really close. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of other guys that have done some video game music mm -hmm. with Gordy Hobb as well. But you're right to, to get that particular sound and that particular structure and, 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 and to make the music flow the way it does in star Wars and in Williams's music, which seems so 
effortless yeah. is not an easy thing to do. And these guys do it really, really well. They have studied and they know their stuff. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm not going to like boo hoo, Gordy Hobb got it. Like if he got it, it's like great. It's, it's better than most that is being written these days. Yeah. All right. We are way over time on this. <laughs> it's star Wars. <laughs> and we, we have no cushion, no cushion. You just don't want to talk about Star Wars anymore. Okay, we'll move on to... It sounds like Christopher has Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. But this is that was a revelation to me that that I, I really... Um, it depends on the film. I really don't want it to become something else. Too, too much something else. I think it's something that's like timeless. It's like, for at least for saga films, I think it should have a sound on the anthologies do whatever the heck you want but on the saga films i think it have i think it makes sense um to have that that sound um but god knows what they're gonna do um okay dakini who <laughs> dakini that was a segue dakini what dakini what is that from just play the will willow music <laughs> just play the willow music <laughs> So, uh, story number five is uh, some discussions or some rumors and some things floating about, I think, from Ron Howard himself, that um, a Willow sequel is a possibility. Uh, that's what, when, when did that come out? 85? No, nine, eight, 1988. 88. A uh, long time ago. So, that's 30 years ago. Um, if that were to happen, who would you like to see? score this film Kristen oh gosh well um, you know I'm not going to go into whether there should be a Willow sequel no if it happens because like seven year old me would be all over that um, <laughs> but I think gosh if John Pell could become Ron Howard's guy mm-hmm that would be that would be wicked cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, yeah. And we know he can he can do some Horner flares. He mm-hmm. can got a little do some Horner flares. We've got a little evidence of that. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyone else come to your mind, or that's it, John Powell and or bust. Uh, yeah. I think I would go Powell or bust. Wow. Okay. Uh, Eric. Yeah, Powell or Bust. Wow, guys, yeah. there's so many yeah. composers out there. What's Yeah, there there are I'm just trying to think of, you know, imprisoned the, the by that, solo here. Well, um hmm, I, Ron Howard's an interesting director and he will use a whole host of composers. And so, you know, when's the last time he worked with Hans Zimmer? Hmm. You know, he's worked with Rocky Baños. Mm-hmm. I mean, he will I mean, he might have just said, hey, thanks, Powell. Great on Star Wars. Now I'm going to go pick somebody else. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you can't really nail down exactly who he's going to choose. Right. No, this is who and would you I like. Powell's, I, I mean, God, Powell, because he's so good at it. 
Um, I. Uh, Simon Franklin, just because hmm. he knows yeah, James he Horner. Knows Horner. Yeah, he knows Horner. Yeah, but he'll, I don't know if he'll ever work again. Hmm. Um, wow. Uh, because of Magnificent Seven. Well, I just I. He's you know okay he no I mean he did a great job of it but he's easy a, a named composer out there that people are willing to yeah will they will they make the connection between him and Horner that's probably not um and 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 that's probably not going to happen um yeah. you know I really haven't thought about this and I just again wish James Horner was around to write the music absolutely for this. it's well that's it's such a that's where my pick comes in because I know David Newman can do Horner. Um, sure. Or be be, oh, be in that realm, you know what I mean. Be yeah. faithful to what was there, and develop it, you know, further. Mm-hmm. Um, he should just mm-hmm. be doing more stuff in general. And whenever oh, I totally. can work his name into a conversation, yes. I certainly do. But he would be at the top yeah. of of my uh, list because you know some of these guys who are so fantastic and don't seem to be doing much. Just think, you know, you're going to get so much more out of them than picking one of these guys who're doing three projects, four projects a year. You know what I mean? Right. You put a right. David Newman or someone like that on, and maybe he's really busy and I just don't know about it, but let's assume he's not super busy and you're going to get all that talent focused on your project for X amount of weeks or months or whatever. You know, that's going to end up being a pretty fantastic score. Um, and so that's that's really the first person who who came to my mind and I would love to see that if, if there is a such thing as a Willow sequel. Um, and you know, we'd get to see old, um, oh shoot. His name just left my head. Who was the star? Val Kilmer? No, no. Oh gosh. Yeah. Warwick Davis. Davis? Val Kilmer would be, (laughs) that would be something to see right now. Seriously. (laughs) The greatest comeback of all time. (laughs) Uh, how could you have this without Mad Martigan? I don't know. I don't know if you you could. Right? But I don't know if uh, you could have Val Kilmer play him right now. I just yeah. don't know if that works out. Right. Um, yeah, but there's so many. I mean, there's just so many, so many guys and gals out there who could who could really do something special sure. with, and hopefully be faithful to what Horner has established. You know, yeah. uh, at least the main theme uh, one would hope. Totally. But. Um, yeah, so we, uh, we 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 put that out there for for Justin. We know exactly he would be on my side. He'd be championing championing um, uh, David Newman as well. I'm sure. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, That's a great pick. So yeah, so it'd be interesting. Who you guys? Who would you pick? Who would you like to see score a Willow sequel if one should happen? Uh, there's there's a plethora of people who could do it. So give us some that you might think would be a Good fit. All right. Story six. Did we make up the time, Kristen? Uh, we have four and a half minutes. Oh, extra? Uh, yep. Oh, wow. See, I think we, I think we, it all balances out in the end. Story six is Star Wars related. Yay! Uh, on honor about the day that uh, Solo: A Star Wars Story debuted, which was May twenty fifth, it was announced that there is a Boba Fett movie coming. Uh, Hollywood Reporter picked up that story, and I think they were one of the first to publish it. And 
James Mangold has been announced as the director um, who directed things such as Logan, the last uh, Wolverine movie, um, and the Wolverine before that. What are some of his other titles under his belt? Did he do 310 to Yuma? Uh, yeah, he did Three. Identity. Identity, okay. Um, he's done, wow, he's done a lot. Uh, Walk the Line. Who? Oh, Walk, Walk the, the Line, line. okay. All yeah. right. So you get a you kind of get a sense of who would be doing this movie. Um, first question. Oh, yeah, Copland. Oh, wow. He did yeah, that? Oh, wow, that's his first. I thought yep. Shore did that yeah. for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, no, oh, Shore wrote score. it. He scored it, but... Yeah. Mango was the director. the director. Right. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Directed. And then there's it. Night and Day in there. He did Night and Day well. with Powell. Yeah. yeah. Girl Interrupted. Wow. Okay. All right. We got it. He's, 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 I mean, really, he's done so a lot of great work. Yeah. And a lot Kate of great Leopold. work. Yeah. And, oh, wow. Really varied. So he'd worked with, um, he'd worked with, Rolf what's Kent. his face before? Um, Jackman. Yeah. You Jackman. Interesting. Yeah. So do you guys, first, do you think this movie will still happen? I hope so. I do. Do you really, you really want it to happen? You want to know why? Because it's a character that we really don't know anything about. Isn't that nice? Isn't it kind of nice not knowing? Yeah, it is. And, and it, it depends on where they pick this story up. Is it Boba Fett as a, a youngster and getting into the bounty hunter well that's um, that story's already been told i don't so i hope not so or or is the opening shot him surviving the sarlacc pit oh yeah and then moving on and um you know doing whatever it is after the empire yeah is gone so um but I'm, i'm i'm really interested in it because again now now you can this is a guy we have, we know nothing about. We've seen about eight to 10 minutes of him in these, in these, in these films. And uh, unfortunately we saw him as a young child in, in the prequels, um, which really didn't tell us much anyway. Well, what we do um, from clone wars, we know a lot. Oh, do we? Yeah. Well, see, and that's, and that, and I, again, going back to solar, I have a real issue with, with these stories overlapping. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to have to see the TV show to get what's happening in the movies. Um, and I mean, does he still have the Australian accent in the Clone Wars? Yes, and, and that as well. Ugh, well, he's a so he's a kid. He's a kid. He's a kid, yeah, and then he I'm, gets to maybe his teenage years by the end of it. I I wish they would just go back to the original voice. Yeah, it just that, sound way more menacing. And nothing against Australian accents. I love them, but geez, he just that was part of the character. And so was it. And I apologize to everybody from New Zealand for <laughs> insulting them. It's like saying British accent for everybody and within the United Kingdom. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not correct. Right. So I hope everybody understands what I meant. Um, but that uh, it just doesn't fit Boba Fett for me, unfortunately. And um, But besides that, I again, it's a character we don't know anything about. For me, I don't know anything about him because I didn't watch those TV shows. So right. a film about him doing bounty hunter stuff um, uh, would be great. Do you think it'll happen, Kristen? Um, maybe things are. I don't know what's going on with the whole Star Wars thing right now. Fans are stupid. Producers are reactionary. Uh, give everybody what they want, and they still whine about it. Yeah. Um, and Boba Fett's such a 
hot button fanboy thing. Um, I would like to see it done. I would like to see something with a Miori lead. Um, with what? The actor who played Boba Fett is uh, Maori. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ma- and a Maori lead. Okay, I thought that was a name you said. I was like, who's Mary lead? <laughs> like, no, I've never heard Mary. of Mary lead. <laughs> a Maori lead. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would love to see that. He's probably about um, the right age now, too. The, the guy who played the kid is probably about the right age to, to play him if they wanted. But <laughs> I hear Eric grumbling. That doesn't excite me at all. But I mean, if it's just a guy in a suit, does it really matter? You know, I mean, unless uh, unless he's going to not be in the suit, then that's it. Well, I'm sure he'll be in the suit, but I'm sure the helmet won't be on unless he's doing bounty hunter stuff. Yeah, got to see his face at some point. Maybe. I mean, that would be really but, interesting to do a movie about him and not see the guy. Well, like like dread. Yeah, like dread. Even more except, so, completely covered. Except Man, in the make... old comics, in the old comics, dread did take off his helmet. Hmm. I have, yes. I have them to prove it. But that was the ballsy decision in <laughs> in the new movie not to take off the helmet, which not I thought to show Carl Urban's beautiful right? face. Right, and that's and that what is one that's that's amazing that they did that, and the fact that Carl Urban was so good as well. I mean, he could act. That mouth can act. Yeah, um, you know. So if they did this sort of the same thing with Boba Fett, that would be interesting. It to keep be. his keep kind his of identity on. a secret would yeah. be really interesting. It would be. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think they're probably having some fairly serious discussions right now about sure. about the anthology films in, in particular. Right. Um, maybe. I mean, they didn't announce when. I don't think. I think they just announced that it was happening. So, um, you know, take taking enough to, I mean if it were to happen I I think James Mangold could do a pretty good job of it um, totally. but will it still happen I have no idea uh, I don't I think we're just gonna ha- we're gonna have to wait for for the returns on episode nine yeah uh, that's, that's gonna really say going a lot. to be that is going to say a whole lot I mean it's I mean the Star Wars fandom right now it's ugly um, yeah the stuff that we're seeing on social media is just it's it's just the worst kind of extreme fandom that we've seen in a long time like the fact that people are still going on about last jedi and just getting angry and making it all about personal insults and things of that yeah it's just horrible and that's what's turning i mean a lot of people off of this franchise and i just hope it doesn't i mean there's there's some good tales still left to be told sure and 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 i enjoyed solo for what it was it was just a good time at the movies to see a fun star wars movie and and if they make those those standalone star wars movies like sort of like that then i'm gonna have a good time at the, the movies um it's just again, what does JJ Abrams do? I don't I mean, know. Can you put a band aid on how can on you? What is going on? And and I just don't understand. I mean, I think Ryan Johnson has left them in a really strange, absolutely position, and it's going to be tough for him. And it's going to be tough for like there's so many. I mean, everything being like split down the middle. There are people that are just adoring Star Wars and people that hate Star Wars. And you're seeing the returns on Solo. Yeah, and it's just really. Yeah, man, what an ugly time. Yeah, uh, for the Star Wars franchise, it's it's really ugly. It's it's, it's unfortunate, unfortunate that you know it's par- par- partly the just culture is you got to pick a side and then you're on that side and then you'll kill anybody on right. the other side. That's yes. those are your it's only exactly options. What's happening. Um, yep. And it's sad because there are it's val you're you're 
it's fine to be on either side. Love it, hate it. Either is okay. You can have your reasons, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Um, right. I don't. I, I, I'm kind of impressed if if fans were able to impact the box office at all. Um, you know, and I don't know if if fans or former fans or whatever they are have or not. I mean, the numbers are what they are. Um, and take take the fans out of the equation. And and they still have to make some hard decisions. They need to look at what did we do wrong? Was it the marketing? Was it the story itself? Was it the production woes that everyone knew about? Whatever. They have to evaluate and look at, hey, can we pull this off for a, for a Boba Fett movie? Um, and do we need to get the temperature? Because no one's asking for a Boba Fett film, just like no one asked for a Han Solo film. Mm-hmm. Fans have asked for a Obi-Wan film. I'm not sure, sure why. I mean, I know why. Fans have been asking for a Boba Fett film not, at least since the early 2000s. Some have, but I think since Clone Wars, that's kind of toned down because they've told a lot of his story. And you're 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 putting yourself in the same position that Solo is. You're put you're do, telling a story about a person who you already know his outcome. Right, and you're just shoving this thing in the middle. You'd be doing the same thing, even worse with Boba Fett, because we know even more about Boba Fett already. Uh, so I think it's even potentially There's more in jeopardy. Still more reminiscence therapy to be had. Well, yeah, I mean, from a from a, from yes, I just think they need to. I think they have to look long and hard at injecting these midquel films. Now, I just think it's. I think your thought of hey, it's him climbing out of the Sarlacc pit and doing some going on some adventure. We have no idea of what's going to happen. That's an open door. But if you stick it in in the Star Wars or Empire era, yeah. it's like we already know he's going to end up in the Sarlacc pit. So who right. cares about any of this, right? It just depends on on how interesting of a character. Yes, you, you like again. I don't know anything about him based on only the films alone right so i'm the type of person that will go and see this completely blind and not know what has happened in the television series yeah and so if you can write an interesting character yeah which is fine it has without to be having great to well, yeah well how about without having to bring in han solo and jab with hunt and all that sort of stuff like well I just you know they leave will. that stuff alone no, and just let him have his own no. thing that and of course then they won't they won't but that's why again the sarlacc pit again you're still I mean, he's he's done at that point, so he can go off and do his own thing. Yeah, and I think I think fans would appreciate that as well. And I can remember that that fan trailer that came out, yeah. um, for the Boba Fett yeah, film, yeah. Like, you know, ten years ago, where we craw- crawled out of it, and everybody loved it. So yeah. I thought that would be uh, kind of neat and save that that goofy death that he had in in Return <laughs> yeah. of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, right. But I just think again, he's someone he's someone I don't know, and I'd like to get to know. Mm. But I also think that maybe they should put the Star Wars stories on hold and yeah. just kind of go and do their their new trilogy and their their new television series and do something completely fresh. And let's just if they're going to just burn this whole thing down and start again, fine. Let's come up with a new lore, new mythology or, or whatever, new characters. And let's try let's try to impress Star Wars fans with something that's different, that doesn't have to call back on the old. And let's see how truly faithful um they are and the people are about seeing alternate star wars stories and not just let's say luke han and leia yeah i think that's that's daring more yeah. so than I, they have than to. anything that's come before i mean they have to right at well although i've heard some talk of 
young Han, Luke, and Leia, which I'm like, please don't. I mean, recasted yeah, Han, Luke, and Leia. It's, it's like, just news. don't. Yeah. Just don't. I mean, you you see where that's going to go. All right, let's right. let's talk about the music side. If Boba Fett happens, um, you've got James Mangold. The obvious pick is Marco Beltrami. He works with Mangold all the time. Yeah. Um, is that your one and only pick for a Boba, yes. Boba Fett movie? Yeah, I think so. I think Bear McCurry would be a great pick there um, sure. as an alternate. Uh, well, yeah, but it won't happen. Why not? Because it's going to be Marco Beltrami. <laughs> oh, is that all it takes? Just the, okay. amount of, the amount of times that Beltrami has worked with, with Mangold, it's, it's almost... A guarantee that you get. I would never guarantee anything in Hollywood. Of course not. No, I mean, like, hey, John Powell wrote Night and Day, so yeah, um, you know, he could he could sneak in there. But I mean, Three Ten to Yuma, The Wolverine, and Logan—that's all uh, Beltrami. You could maybe say Alan Silvestri because he worked with him on Identity. That would be weird. Um, but I think, <laughs> I think. Alan Silvestri composes both. Beltrami's Fett. just, just the the, it the, seems the right to fit. choice. It seems to fit it the very Boba much Fett does. character. Um, well, and again, it's another fresh, new voice that can still. I would think he can write some incredible orchestral bombast, and and he can bring out the big guns when he needs to, and that would fit the Star Wars universe. But I think he did. He do he's also Dracula two thousand or something. Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, that was pretty. Mem- my memory serves. I haven't heard heard that score in many years, but it seems to stand out to me for some reason. Yeah, that, that when you're thinking of like, if you want action, go back to a good day to die hard. It's just wall to wall action, and you'll get a sense of. Also, for a guy who respects the composer that came before him, hmm. um, he injects uh, Beltrami injects his own style in with Michael Kamen's, and he does it flawlessly hmm. in his uh, two die hard scores. So go back to uh, Live Free or Die Hard and then really listen to A Good Day to Die Hard. That will floor you. Mm. It's it's a meaty, meaty orchestral action score. It's one of the best I've heard in like the past 10 years. Really? It's just like, that's, it's that, uh, like for pure action. Yeah. Impressive. Okay. I will, I will dig that out. I'm going to dig out Dracula 2002 just because I haven't even thought about that score in yeah. 15 years. Well, I mean, and then again, if you want to think about something thematically, go back to Hellboy as well. I mean, that it's There's yes. four great themes in that. Yeah. It's one of my favorite scores of, of this new millennium. Um, it's, it's, uh, my, my pick is like Beltrami's greatest effort ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so check out, uh, Check out Hellboy, and if anything, just check out that that end title suite. What um, about iRobot? Uh, and iRobot. I was not yeah, a big the, fan uh, of that for some reason. I need to revisit that one too. Uh, and that's a very kind of Goldenthal-esque type of score. Yeah. He can, he's quite a chameleon. Yeah. And then I mean, when he's experimenting and doing all of his, uh, you know, weird stuff with uh, with Bucks. Um, Buck Saunders, uh, see Saunders. I'm not. I don't want. You that. know, doing that that kind of air piano for. Yeah. Um, for whatever that score was, and I can't remember the name. Homestead. Homestead. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know. So Holmesman. he's Homesman. Homesman. Yeah. Yeah. He's. That's he's not chameleon. what I'm looking for, though. Not for Boba Fett. Oh no, no, no. But I mean, again, and he can do if, everything. If, yeah. He can just do everything and anything, and he's so so good at. I would it, so. love a Beltrami Philip Glass collab again. That would just be. <laughs> that. That's still. I can't believe that actually happened. <laughs> for a superhero no film. <laughs> Right. That's just like, what? Never. Never, ever would that yeah. ever happen. Um, okay. Well, 
Kristen, any final thoughts? You love Beltrami. You love Mangold. You love yes. Boba Fett. <laughs> I don't know if I love Boba Fett. Oh, but okay. Two out I, of three. I, I, I do quite like Marco Beltrami. Um, and yeah, he's my ride or die for this. Ride or die. Okay, well. Maybe. Although I really, really did like that Fantastic Four score that he did with Philip Glass. Yeah, that's what I was telling and me. Yeah, that was I will forever amazing. regret that movie bombing so very hard. It was terrible. That the marketing that the marketing and publicity got canceled for it. It was I terrible. Never got to speak to them about oh, it. Oh, I see. Wow. That's why. Oh, that's wow. a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah. I didn't think you were going there. That was a little twist ending you threw. On me there. <laughs> well, yeah, because I liked it so much and I wanted to talk to the two of them yeah, together. That, that would have sure. just been like. Phew, so that, you had that it scheduled my, and that they was canceled my it? Mind exploding. Yeah, I had it scheduled. For both of them? Yeah. Oh, that's messed up. That's messed up. Well, you can blame <laughs> Josh Trank <laughs> since he's getting blamed for everything else. I've interviewed them individually. That That's kind of like. Okay. Mended the wound a bit. Okay. All right. Well, for different ironically, projects, Trank was supposed to direct the Boba Fett movie. It's all connected. Wow. All connected. And then, so you might have gotten a Beltrami glass collaboration for the Boba Fett movie had Trank not messed up. So, a lot. When in doubt, blame <laughs> and Josh publicly. Trank. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap up this Soundcast 6 edition. Hope you enjoyed our discussion on each of those stories. We'd love to know your thoughts on any one of them. And if you would like to share those thoughts, you can do so by sending us an email at soundcast.tracksounds.com. <clears throat> Sorry, leaving us, I get choked up when I talk about our speak pipe widget because it's so neglected. Um, it is. It's just, it's tragic. It's a, it's, it's a tragedy. But it's there on soundcast.com if you want to go there and leave us a voicemail message. Or find us on Twitter. Leave us a comment there at Audio Soundcast or at Track Sounds. Or even Facebook if, if you're still on Facebook. Um, if you want to find and follow me personally, you can do so at C. Coleman. Kristen, how can people find and follow you? The easiest way to find me is on Twitter at KB for now. That's KB F O R N O W. You can find Film Score Monthly online at fsmonlinemag.com. Also on Twitter at fsmonlinemag. Our May issue is out. It's fantastic. I know that one of you listeners actually yeah. subscribed after listening to our last episode. That's awesome. So thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Yes, and the person left a positive comment mm -hmm. about this fantastic interview that our writer Zinke Sun did with John Powell. Mm -hmm. And yeah, check it out. Excellent. Eric, how can people find and follow you? You can check me out on Twitter at SinSoundRadio. That's C-I-N Sound Radio. You can also check me out on Facebook at Cinematic Sound and of course the Cinematic Sound radio show head over to cinematicsound.net I'm still not doing new programming myself however Jason Drury's archive number 10 will premiere 
this weekend. It's a it's a really good show. You're gonna like it. And uh, there's some Alien Three on there. Awesome. So if you haven't picked up that album from All Land Records yet, then you can preview it on the program uh, this week. And uh, I hope you like what Jason uh, has done because it's a really good show. Awesome. Are you gonna do the Superman Four? Superman Four is yes, he will, and that's coming up on the Archive Eleven. So that'll be in a few weeks' time. Nice. I haven't. I've only gotten through the first disc of that one so far, but I, yeah, I hadn't listened to that in so long. I was like, man, those first few tracks. I'm like, man, this is fantastic. So yeah, great, great. It's great my score. second favorite Superman score. Yeah, okay. I think so. I think it'll end up being mine as well. Um, yeah, very good. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up episode 109 of Soundcast. Until our next episode, we want to say, may the notes be with you.